Hi, my name is Joshua Potter, and I'm the lead pastor here at Sioux City First Church. I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank you for taking time to listen to our message this week. I pray that you find it meaningful and life-giving. As you listen, make sure that you take some time to allow God to speak to you and, and just to encourage your heart. We hope to see you soon in person, and we hope that you have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening. If you have a Bible with you, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. That's where we're going to spend our morning uh, talking through a few things. We've been doing a series here called Occupy Until He Comes. Now, I need a little crowd participation to start the service off today. How many of you, when you were growing up, you had chores that you were supposed to do? Raise your hand. You had chores that you were supposed to do. Okay? A lot of you in here had chores. How many of you received an allowance for the chores that you did? Okay? Less people received an allowance for that. Okay? Now, here's the other question. How many of you got your allowance even if you didn't do your chores? Okay? Yes. We know. We know who you are. Okay? This is what's wrong with society right now. We all had, I grew up in a house and we had certain chores, whether it was cleaning your room or picking up the yard, whatever it was, putting things away. We had different chores that we had to do. I didn't get an allowance growing up. My parents didn't love me. And so uh, I didn't get an allowance, but, uh, but we all understand the concept there. And we've been doing a series here uh, called Occupy Until He Comes. And there's an interesting, uh, two interesting parables we've been looking at from Luke chapter 19 and Matthew chapter 25. And in these parables, there is a, in one a master, and then there in another one is a nobleman, and they go off uh, to an undisclosed location. They, they say, I'm going away, and they give their servants something while they're gone. They give them, in one story, it's ten minas, or three months' worth of wages, and in another, they give them some talents, and they're both units of, of, uh, uh, of money. And they tell them, when they, they're leaving and to occupy until I come. In other words, be busy with what I give you. Be faithful and fruitful with what I give you. And so in both of these parables, uh, he, go, he goes away, which is reminiscent of Jesus going away. He's going to come back one day. And uh, the implication of the story is Jesus is coming back. And, and while I'm gone, you're supposed to be faithful and be fruit, fruitful with what I have given to you, to each one of us in this room, faithful and fruitful with what God has given to you. I'm not going to be held accountable for what God has given to the Gesh family or to the Higginbothams. I'm going to be, fa- I'm going to be held accountable for what I did with my life and what I did with what God had given me to do. God does that for each one of us. Now, as we think of that mentality, there were, in those stories, there were rewards for those who did what God told them to do, and there were punishment for those who didn't do what God told them to do. I mean, we see this all throughout Scripture. And in Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to see these things called exhortations, probably not words you use very often, but an exhortation in Scripture is to urge strongly. I'm going to urge you to do something, almost like a, a pleading to do something. Uh, the the Greek word that's used there is a word that means up close and personal. It's almost like someone's getting up in your bubble. Someone's getting right up and close to you. And that's what he's doing as he says these things here. So we're going to go verse by verse in Hebrews chapter 10, verse number, starting in verse number 23. Remember, he's, it's almost, I get the impression, the way I see it is, he's almost grabbing them by the shirt collar and saying, come here, listen to this. Like, you got you to gotta hear what I'm saying here. Here's what he says, Hebrews chapter 10, 23 through 27. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. 
So let us hold unswervingly. When I think of swerving, I think of driving. Uh, I, I think of driving down the road in this, in this verse. It makes me think of, I'm going to drive down the road. I'm, I'm going to be focused on where I'm going to. There may be a detour here. There may be an exit here. But I'm going to continue on the path that I'm supposed to go. I'm going to hold unswervingly. I'm not going to let anything keep me from where I'm going to the hope that I have. Or what it says here is the hope we profess. Now this is interesting because... He's speaking to Christians in, in Hebrews chapter 10 who he's encouraging to endure or persevere. If you are enduring something or you are persevering through something, it likely means it's not really, it doesn't come easy. It's, it's not easy to do. You have to, to persevere, okay? I don't go on vacation and be like, oh my gosh, I hope I can endure vacation. No, you, you enjoy vacation. You endure the rest of life. <laughs> but here as Christians, he's saying, he, he's saying you need to endure. You need to persevere. So there's this hope that we have, this hope that we profess for he who promised is faithful. There's a difference between someone who professes faith and someone who lives their faith. There's a lot of people who say that they're Christians, but they don't live a, a Christian lifestyle. And so he's saying, we have a hope that we profess. The reason why he's encouraging these people is because some are not enduring. Some are not persevering. He says, for he who promised is faithful. We know from scripture, we believe that God is faithful to keep his word. If God says he's going to do something, God's going to do what he says he's going to do. So he says, God's made a promise. He, he's really referencing Hebrews chapter 6 where he talks about the covenant he made with Abraham. And we know that he kept the promise. We know that he kept the covenant he had with Abraham. He goes on in the next verse, verse number 24, and he says this. He says, and let us consider how we may spur, or another word would be provoke. Let us consider how we may provoke one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us consider it. In other words, what he's saying is, I want you, I need you to think about this. You need to be considerate. You need to think about this. This doesn't come naturally for you to consider how you may provoke someone to do something good. I need to, if I'm a believer in Jesus, I need to think of ways that I can provoke some of you or provoke my family, provoke those who are in my life to, to love and good deeds. So the question I think you and I need to ask ourselves is this question. How can you, or how can I, spur others toward love and good deeds? I would say this. We do it through demonstration, not through just words. It's one thing to say, hey, you need to, be, you need to do a good thing or you need to go help that person. You need to go help your neighbor. You need to go, but actually demonstrating these things. I think one of the best ways for us to spur other, other people or inspire people to do things is to do them in our own lives, to demonstrate through action, not through just words. So you need to think, how can you provoke your kids to love and good deeds? How can you provoke your spouse, your, your coworkers? How can you provoke people, other men and women of God, to love and good deeds? He goes on in verse number 25. So how, how can you do that? He goes on. 
he's still, he's still urging them. He's still, he's still encouraging them here. He's calling them up in their face, and he's saying this. Not giving up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Look at the last part. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Part of this series, Occupy Until He Comes, is the fact that Jesus is coming back one day. And if we truly believe that, it changes the way we live and it changes the mindset that we have. So he says, we can't give up meeting together. Other translations say forsake the assembling or the gathering of the saints. He says, we cannot neglect gathering together. In other words, what he he was recognizing is there are people who neglect the gathering together. There are people who have been neglectful. There have been people who are not taking the time to meet together. It's become a habit. Now we know what habits are. Some of us have some good habits and some of us have some bad habits. In this case, he's saying it's become a habit. It's become part of your routine, not gathering with other men and women of God. In other words, gathering together, the body of Christ, gathering together. You've probably heard something in the last few years. You've probably heard people say, we should normalize this. We need to start normalizing saying this to each other. We need to start normalizing this specific behavior. We need to normalize it. My biggest concern, or one of my greatest concerns for the future of the church 20, 30 years down the road, 10 years down the road, is that we have normalized this saying, it's just church. It's not that big of a deal. If I miss, I miss. It's not a big, it's not, it's it's just church. What's special about church? We're missing out on worshiping together, putting ourselves in a position to worship the Lord with other men and women of God to be encouraged or or to be strengthened through just fellowship with one another. All the things that that can happen on a, a Sunday night or a Wednesday night when we neglect the gathering together of Christians. And that's exactly what's happening here is, is it just became, oh, it's just church. Now I want you to think about what else do you do that with in life? Do you do that with work? Do you call in work and be like, oh, it's just, it's just work. Most people don't do that. <laughs> the average person that I know doesn't do that. When things are happening on the weekends, we have activities, sports, concerts, all these things that are happening. I will never, I, I can't think of any time I've really ever heard parents say, oh, it's just a game. Oh, it's just a, just, a, just a concert. Oh, it's just a tournament. We don't say those things, but yet with church, it seems like it gets said. And it's something that we say is valuable and important. And what he says here is it's become a habit, but instead we should be encouraging one another. It's difficult for me to encourage you when you're not here, or when I'm not having any interaction with you. It's difficult for me to, to, to come up to you and shake your hand or smile or to put my hand on your shoulder to encourage you. It's impossible for you to know what's going on in other people's lives if you're not a part of the gathering together. And so uh, this was something that was set up by the early church that we see in the early church was the gathering, just the, the, the being together mentality. You can encourage one another. And then he says this, all the more as you see the day approaching. What is he saying? Jesus is coming back. It's clear. It's clear in Scripture. We still believe that this is true. So I I want you to think about it like this. I want you to imagine there's a train that's on the tracks, and it's moving. 
it's coming. It's not a question of if there is a coming of Jesus. It's, it's a matter of, you know, many people are wondering when it's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. We just don't know when it's going to happen. But I need you to envision Envision it as a train on tracks, and that train is moving. Every day that we're alive, we're closer to the return of Jesus. And so if we believe that, it has to change the way that we live our lives. And, and the reason why that, that I believe these verses, these are not happenstance. The way that Scripture is recorded, the way that Scripture is, is put together, I believe, is, is designed by God. And the next two verses are t- some of what I believe to be two of the scariest verses in Scripture, which are right tucked into these exhortations here. Let's go on to verse number 26, and here's what he says. He says, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. So if we deliberately, think of deliberate sinning. I'm, I'm, I'm deliberately doing something. I, I'm knowingly doing something that I know is wrong. After I've received the knowledge of the truth, after I've, I've known the plan of salvation, after I've known what God wants for my life, I understand what truth is. I, I've read enough of this. I've heard enough about it. I'm going to continue in my sin, even though I know what I'm supposed to do or not supposed to do. It says there's no sacrifice for sins left. Jesus isn't waking up one day and saying, yeah, I didn't think people would do that. I should write another Bible, some more sacred scriptures to cover up for what happened. The Bible tells us there was one sacrifice made, one for all. There's only one sacrifice for sins. And it's already happened. Jesus isn't going to re-sacrifice himself for sins. It was a one-time deal. He sacrificed himself for us. And we can't continue to do the things that we used to do. We can't continue to, to neglect the seriousness of sin. He then goes on in verse number 27. He's speaking to those who have rejected God, who, who there's no sacrifice for sins left. In verse number 27, he says this. Here's what they get to look forward to, but only a fearful expectation of judgment end of a raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Now that, to me, as I read that, I'm not like, okay, that's encouraging. I came to get inspired today, and that's what is going to keep me going the next week. This isn't an encouraging verse, but it's a verse that I believe is truth. And when we're disobedient to God and when we reject God, the Bible is clear that we do not spend eternity in heaven. And it would be unwise and it would be wrong for me to get up here and just tell us to live off of how we feel. I think people have have determined to live their lives. I'm going to do whatever feels best for me today. I'm going to do whatever I feel like is right. I just want to encourage you as we wind down that our faith is not about our feelings. It's about a foundation. You have feelings. I'm not discrediting. We all have feelings. I get it. But when our lives are based off of our feelings rather than truth, we will go in the wrong direction every single time. And I would say this. Almost every time in my life I felt like you don't feel like doing something, that's all the more reason you should do it. Okay? There are some weirdos out there who like to work out, 
who like to exercise. Like they really do enjoy that. Like they seriously enjoy doing that. For, but for most people, it's work. It's hard. It's a sacrifice. Do I want to go all the way to the gym and I have to drive all the way over there? Then I have to, you know, all these exercise, all these things that I'm going to be doing. Okay. I don't know too many people who are like, I feel like going to the gym today. Like most people, it, it takes work. It's a discipline. It takes all of that. But it, when our lives are based off of how we feel in that moment, rather than on the foundation of what we know to be true, we've got to be so careful. This morning, we have an opportunity, as, as I share one of these messages, I know this isn't a real popular message, and a lot of times people be like, oh, of course, pastor, you have to get up and tell people they need to be in church, otherwise you're not going to be able to have uh, an income and all those different things, and this is just something that a pastor would say. This is, this is what the Bible says about gathering together. These are not uh, things that I'm, I'm just making up. I believe they're true. I believe they're scriptural. I believe they're biblical. So no, a message like this isn't always easy, and I know a lot of times people can take it personally. Before we do any of that, we just need to weigh it with Scripture. I, I, I know I've said this before, and I, because I just love the statement. It's never let anything penetrate your heart if it doesn't penetrate through the Word of God first. So if I'm up here saying something you disagree with, go to the Word of God and see if it's true. And if it's not true, then come to me and let's have a conversation about it rather than just getting upset about it. But one of the things that I, I feel like is, is part of my job or my calling is, is to help spur one another on. What, exactly what that verse, verse number 24 says. Consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And, and this morning we have an opportunity to do that. Um, I've invited a, 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 a couple guests to be with us this morning. Um, there's a, a newer organization to Sioux City that came in December called Sleep in Heavenly Peace. And, and um, I'm going to have Meredith come. She's going to sh- come and share a little bit about who they are, what they do, and, and really how we can be involved. She's really, really smart. She brought candy to get you to her table. And she has some little wristbands that you can put to remind you of uh, their organization. But if you take a moment, tell us a little bit about, well, introduce yourself if you want. Tell us a little bit about yourself. And then tell us a little bit more about Sleep in Heavenly Peace. Okay. So I am Meredith Vote, And... Um... I brought an organization that's national here. We have 300 chapters um, across the United States, and we make beds for children. So age 3 to 17, um, and we bring the community together. We build them. Um, So we take people that have had no carpentry experience, and we teach them um, what they need to be able to make beds. So when December, um, December 11th, we had our very first build, and we made 56 beds, and we had them all delivered by Christmas. Um, every bed comes with the mattress, comes with the sheets, the comforter, the pillow, um, the whole works, and then we go and we deliver inside their house and set it up for them. Um, we are, this next Saturday, um, we are making 100 beds. Um, so that's our pretty big build. Um, <laughs> So we, we invite you to come and help um, and, and build. We do have some openings on the third shift, which is 3.30 to 5.30 um, this next Saturday, if you're free. Um, we also encourage you to donate. Um, each bed approximately is 200 to $250. Um, lumber prices kind of go up and down, and we know how that goes. And same with mattresses right now, too. Um, 
So we are asking for your help with that. Um, and you know, I never really knew that there was such a need in Siouxland. I really didn't. Um, I knew that there was a need. Um, I, a couple years ago, being a teacher, I almost adopted one of my students. Um, and so as we started doing visitations from the Crittenden Center, um, I was told by another teacher, hey, reach out to the, to the Siouxland Foster Closet. They will give you a bed and potentially some clothes. And so I reached out and they didn't have any clothes for her because she was older um, and they just didn't have that size. And so I said, okay, well, maybe a bed. Um, and they said beds were the hardest thing for them to, to hold on to. Um, they just, once they got it, it was gone that day. And so um, a lot of foster families that are looking to foster a child, um, they you know, will say, no, sorry, we don't have the bed ready. So sorry, we're turning down this child. And that's an opportunity for a child to have a family. And so um, that was kind of like where the, the seed was planted. And then now I just know, I mean, families moving out of domestic shelters, homeless shelters, um, the Red Cross, if there's fires inside of a home. Um, it just, it's so much bigger than just a bed in poverty. It's bigger than that. So we just ask for your help. Yeah. So there is, I mean, I don't think a lot of us probably might think that there's, there are a lot of children in our community who don't actually have a bed to sleep in at night and how that affects their day. As a teacher, you know, they're coming to class a little more tired. tired. They don't have what mm -hmm. they need to do. There's probably some other areas too, but there's a real need for it. Um, you know, they're, we don't want any kid, none of us, none of us would want our kids to be sleeping on the floor. We shouldn't want any kids in our community to be sleeping on the floor. Um, some of you in here are really great at building things. And so I know next, next week, like she said, third shift, and well, you said 3.30 to 5.30. Correct. When she says third shift, that's not in the middle of the night. That's actually in the <laughs> afternoon. Yeah. And so that's an afternoon. And then probably some cleanup afterwards help too. If we that's do need needed. some help with There's that. Some. So, I'll do it. <laughs> so I'm going to encourage you to go to their Facebook page because they actually do have some forms where you can sign up for that, three to, that mm -hmm. shift or to do cleanup so that they'll do future builds. We talked this morning. We're going to be a site in the future for them to do a build um, just so we can partner with them and help them. We are going to, I had told Meredith before service, we're going to take up an offering at the end of service if it's something you want to give to. But we're going to give them uh, $500 just for a double bed, which includes sheets, pillows, comforter, everything they need for two beds. So we're going to give them that just to start, and then we're going to ask you to, to help give as well this morning. So anything you give to Kingdom Builders will go to that this morning. Um, but we're going to take a moment while they're here just to pray over the work that they're doing and to just pray that God would help them as they continue to see this need come up. That, we, that not only can we help, but there's a community. That, like she said, there's other organizations that are stepping up to help uh, kind of uh, get this taken care of as much as they can. So let's take a moment to pray. And then and what we're going to do afterwards, I want to, if you can put that up. If you want to give this morning, uh, a pillow is $5, a sheet set is 10 comforter is 25 mattress 100 single bed 250 bunk bed 500 If you want to give toward one of those or a few of those, you can. Um, we'll do that at the very end of service. Um, but before we do, if you would just, while you're sitting in your seat, we're going to pray for, for Meredith and, and the team. So if you just extend your hand forward to her as we pray and lift up what they're doing this morning. Lord, uh, I just thank you for Meredith. Thank you for the team, uh, uh, what they're doing through Sleep in Heavenly Peace, God. And they're, they're trying to really um, help the kids in our community, which we all, we all care about them, God. So I pray that as we partner with them, 
whether it be through prayer, whether it be through finances, whether some of us say, hey, I'd love to help with the build. Even if we don't have a lot of experience, we can help do different things there. I pray that you would just help us to step into some of those volunteer opportunities that they have at this build or a future one that we may do here as our church. But God, I just pray that you'd be with Meredith, the team, everyone who is a part of the Siouxland chapter, God, that you would help use the funds that we raise today to help any kid in this community who needs a bed to sleep in, God. We just pray for them. We pray for their families. And we pray that you would just be with them as they continue to minister and, and just be, uh, help solve a problem in our community, God. Bless them and all that they do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Meredith, Thank for you. coming. I appreciate you coming. You can give her a hand this morning for... Diane, if you want to come forward, we're going to close in, in, in prayer in a moment. I, I want to encourage you as a pastor. One, we, we gave them a donation, and I'd encourage you to give so we can give them some more. That was just to get started. Anything you give above and beyond will go straight to them. We're also going to pick them up every month for monthly support uh, just to help the ongoing need that they have uh, every month for the work that they do. Um, as we close service today, I, I think it's important always whenever we, we're together, we worship. Maybe someone said something to you before service. Maybe God spoke to you on the way, dream worship, through the message. And it's good for us just to reflect and say, okay, God, what are you speaking to me today? So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I just want to pray over you. Do to think about this morning. Am I holding unswervingly to the hope that I have? I need to be more considered about how I may help spur others along toward love and good deeds. Have I found myself getting in the habit of neglecting gathering together? One week turns into two weeks, two into three, three into four. Not allowing myself to encourage and pray for one another. Towards the end, it talked about sin and deliberate sin, continuing in sin you if there's something in your life that you know is wrong and the Bible says it's wrong we need to we need to repent of it we need to ask God to forgive us of that and maybe you find yourself here in the habit of doing something that you really wish you wouldn't do God can forgive us today 